podcast brought to you by myself, Bill. AJ currently is out of commission for this week due to heavy workloads at his current job. So you got me and only me. So we're going to get this rolling. We do have a lot of things to cover today regarding Philadelphia sports. It also includes, the, obviously, the Phillies. Uh, some news are coming around with some certain trades. The Eagles and their disastrous loss. The Sixers and how they're doing. The Flyers on how they're doing. And, of course, UFC 296 with Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Um, but as is tradition, and I am a traditionalist, we are going to start off with today in sports history. This was recorded on December 20th of 2023 so we are going to start with 1905 Philadelphia Jack O'Brien wins the world light heavyweight boxing title after defending champion Bob Fitzsimmons of England retires in round 13 of 20 in San Francisco geez 20 rounds moving on from there for the NFL championship in 1925 the Chicago Cardinals that were 11-2-1 win a controversial first pass the post title Pottsville Maroons suspended after playing unsanctioned game. Huh, how about that? And last but not least, in 1926, St. Louis Cardinals train, trade future Baseball Hall of Famer infielder Rogers Hornby to the end New York Giants for Frankie Fresh and Jimmy Ring. Concerns over Hornsby's gambling. Hmm, some wild stuff going on with that. But that is our day in sports history. Uh, I'm just going to start off, first and foremost, with the Phillies. There is some uh, trade rumors going on regarding Yamamoto, or Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and apparently the Phillies are willing to pay the price tag for him. So, we may be getting a new player straight from Japan. That would be nice, a little bit of collaboration, too, with Japan. We may get Phillies jerseys with some Japanese kanji letters on there, something like that. We may even be seeing some of our players travel there during the offseason just because, you know, culture, everything like that. I'm about it. I'd like to see Yamamoto come here. I'd like to have a little bit of change up in the Phillies bullpen, not bullpen, but uh, on the Phillies lineup. See what happens. Very excited for this trade. Hopefully it does go through. Otherwise, when it comes to the Phillies, there's not much else going on. I do see that there's some uh, trades regarding Blake Schnell, um, but it's probably we're probably not going to hear anything about uh, Yoshinobu until after Christmas, maybe in January. So that's all we're going to be focused on for right now. But we're going to move on from there and get on with the Sixers. So the Sixers right now still currently third in the Eastern Conference. They are currently 18-8 uh, uh, with a win percentage of 69%, uh, 69.2%. Overall, though, still doing well. They are doing, doing good. The only thing is they just lost, uh, what was it, Monday against the Bulls, only down by four. But otherwise, though, have beat the Pistons twice in a row, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Hawks. Like they, the Sixers overall have been looking good, and I've been very happy to say that because this is the first year I paid more attention to the Sixers. Uh, it's not like I'm, I'm still getting used to it, still under, like trying to you know follow along. But even still, like when they lost to the Bulls, doesn't mean it was a bad, bad game. 
Embiid had 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists with the 37 minutes he played. Maxi had 29.8 um, assists and 5 rebounds. But that's the only thing that you have Joel and Tyrese scoring the majority of the points, whereas the rest of the team kind of averages out between less than 10. So that's something that is a cause for concern. I would like to see at least another player, 3 out of the 5, having over 10 points in a game just so we can have a little bit more of a comfortable feeling when we're playing these games. We don't be get we don't get beat by four points. Just just as an example, for the Bulls game two that we were just talking about. DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Nicolo Vilkvec, Kobe White, Alex Caruso, and uh, Javon Carter all scored more than ten points, or at least ten. But they were able to average the points out where everyone, where we only have Maxi and Embiid scoring that much during a game. Then you have the issue of them just focusing on Maxi and Embiid, which really will affect our, our offense. So, something to keep in mind. It is what it is. Uh, the Sixers will be playing the Timberwolves today on December 20th at 12.23 at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Timberwolves are the first in the Western Conference at 20 and 5, so hopefully we can see some form of uh, win from them. It's going to be a tough game, especially after uh, the last game lost, but what are you going to do? We're going to move, hopefully move on um, and see if they get it. Uh, moving on from the Sixers, we're going to go right on to the Flyers. Flyers just won last night in overtime. They've actually been winning more overtime wins than losses at this point. They are currently 18, 10, and three overtime losses. They are second now in the Metropolitan Division on a three-win streak. Like I said, 18, 10, and three with a total of 39 points so far. Um, they are tied with the Islanders. The only reason why we're ahead in points is because of those overtime losses. They are 15-8-8 and with those overtime losses. So right now, Flyers, shockingly, have been on a roll. I am very happy to say that, too. I have no complaints about that whatsoever. Um, especially, too, for Ryan Poling. He had two game... Um, he had two uh, goals, um, no assists, but three shots on goal, but he made it count for those two. Um, and the other person, Owen Tippett, also scoring a goal as well. Very happy with how the Flyers have been playing. I, again, I can't stress it enough. I was shocked at how weak, or how we all came into this season expecting, you know, us not to do well because we're, you know, we're in a rebuild um, we have uh, Danny Briere just coming in as the new general manager. We have John Tortella as our coach. Like, we don't know. Like, we weren't sure what to expect. But in reality, the Flyers are winning, albeit some of them are close. I've noticed, if I'm correct, recently enough, one, two, three, since December. Actually, I can even go into November, too. We have been getting in a lot of um, shootouts as of November, I would say. I just double-checked. Starting from the 25th, uh, we've been in one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, six types of overtime. And that means there's been two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. So 
Six out of the 11 games that we've been in so far have ended in either overtime or a shootout. Good and bad. It shows that we're able to win, but it's taking us a while. It's either we're, it's either we win pretty open, uh, open, or at least by a goal, um, and then we get into these overtime situations. But you know what? If we can actually win in overtime, like uh, like we used to not be able to, I'm not complaining whatsoever. I'm just happy in general that the Flyers are playing well and that the Flyers will achieve, hopefully, playoff contention. That's all we want in Philadelphia is the Flyers right now to build up and get to playoffs. I don't think any of us are expecting the Stanley Cup, but I would like at least second-round playoffs. I think we can get that as long as we keep going. We have a long season ahead, though. It doesn't end until April. So we are only in December. So we got four more months of hockey. Anything can happen, but I'm hoping for at least, like I said, second round of playoff contention. Don't you agree with me, AJ? Yes, yes, I do. Thank you, AJ. Your voice sounds weird. Yeah. Anyway, this is what happens when you go crazy in your room and you're recording by yourself. Moving on, we're going to get to the big one uh, now, and that is the Eagles. Good news. The Eagles have clinched the playoffs, or, or at least clinched the wild card. I'll take that, uh, because the 49ers have clinched the division. Eagles are currently on a three-game losing streak, from the 49ers to the Cowboys to the Seahawks. This also marks, I think it's now the eighth year in a row, uh, I think eighth or ninth year in a row, we have lost to the Seahawks, if I'm correct. Not year, sorry, games, because we don't play them every year. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, eight. It is eight games. So it has now been eight games straight since we have beaten the fucking Seahawks, which sucks. I thought this would be our year. It was a close game, 20 to 17. That last uh, pass from Drew Locke, while it was really nice, it was very disheartening, to say the least. Um, we need for the Eagles to get their god darn shit together. I, it's bad. It's really bad when I, you know, take Phil's bad bets. Anytime I make a parlay, I should just start doing this separately. Having Jalen Hurts throw an interception because I, I feel like he's guaranteed to throw one all the time. And this isn't me trying to, you know, be mean at him, you know, cause a problem. Not every game he does. But usually when there's one, there's one to follow up. But currently he has thrown 12 interceptions so far. 12. Yes, he has, you know, thrown 19 touchdown passes, or I don't know if he's thrown a touchdown or whatever. Has over 3,000 yards and everything. It, it don't matter. He needs to get everything together because right now he is not looking good. He needs to figure it out. And I know the O-line's giving him all the time in the world while we're out there. We see it, too. He's holding it. But we're throwing these long bomb passes that A.J. Brown can try to get to or somebody else. But they're covered because people are figuring out our offensive scheme. 
And we see it every time. The defense starts to figure it out, who to cover, how to manage them, and it forces us to either have him uh, Hurts scramble and run, which usually works out okay, or we get sacked. We're not really throwing well in the short game. Yes, this game that we finally did when Gainwell came back, and we were starting to take shots up the middle for short gains for like 5 to 10 yards, and it was working. But then we didn't adapt to it too, or we tried to take the go for the... Hail Mary, not even a Hail Mary, but go for the bomb for those big scores instead of, you know, moving it up slowly. The other part, too, that annoyed me as well, especially with that last touchdown that uh, was, inter or the interception that was thrown, the second interception at the end of the game. One, that call, gotta admit, very close call. I can't even... I was sitting there like, are you, I don't even know what the, if I figured it was going to get called an interception because the way it looked, it is tough. That is a very tough one. Those cameras, while they're good, a little tough to follow. But two, why throw it to A.J. Brown? I'm not saying that negatively against A.J. Brown. In fact, I actually would normally prefer A.J. Brown to catch the ball. But you knew this would be a deep sh they knew this would be a deep shot hell even the defense started to creep over on AJ so he was ready to make that pick throw it to somebody else throw it to somebody at least 10 yards up so you can make the kick and go into overtime you have one of the best field goal uh one of the best kickers in the league that you can trust at 60 plus yards or well not 60 plus like 60 to 65 yards if needed instead of trying to make that Hail Mary throw i understand it's do or die but if you have an option to keep fighting for a little bit longer, I would take that. We we need to he needs to figure his shit out. The good news is regarding contention or playoff contention, we're in the wild card. Now we have two three games left. The Giants, um, I think it's the Cardinals and then the Giants again. Yeah, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So, we have another Monday night game on the 25th on Christmas. It's a Christmas game. Uh, to, uh, is it Tommy Cutlets will be uh, back and running. Uh, hopefully, he's healthy. So, this will be hopefully a good game. There's st We're still favored, but that's still a tough way to go. But, we'll see what happens. I'm, I think we win. I think we blow up the Giants, but I don't think it's going to be as satisfying as we want it to be. I think the Eagles really need to take an in-depth look of themselves, understand that the offense may have to change because we have the, every other team has basically discovered it. Hell, if the Giants even figure, like defense figures it out quickly enough, which they probably have, we may see problems this game. We, we may need some changes for the Giants and then the Cardinals, and then the Giants again before playoff contention. Because we're going to have problems in those games if we can't get through. I hope it goes better. I'm always rooting for the Eagles. No matter what, um, I want them to get above playoff contention, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I have faith. Um, I did double-check if there was any F1 stuff going on. Um, but... Not really. There's it's mostly just end of the year reports, but nothing good. Um, yeah, nothing good for F one. Um, 
we'll be sitting on that for a while. Okay, now the big one. The big, big event that happened this weekend. UFC 296, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. This was on Saturday. Eh, yeah, okay. Saturday, December 16th, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Sorry uh, to everybody for a second. I realized I forgot to bring up something, but I'll bring it up at the end because it wasn't that important. So, this card overall from prelim to um, main event was pretty good. Uh, early prelims all were finished. Um, the prelim card itself Besides uh, the last two fights, both were good, though. Uh, were de uh, decision and KOs. Main card overall, solid. Solid card. It wasn't great. It was still a little long, but it was good. I'll take it. Uh, we're going to just start from the prelims, though. But just shout out to the early prelim. The first fight, Martin Bunny, Bundit, uh, Boudet versus Shamil Gazev. Because he got a knockout and performance of the night from Bahrain. So shout out to him. But we're going to move right into the prelims. Because there's two fights that I want to go over. Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Keller. And Alonzo Menfield and Justin or Dustin Jacoby. Cody had a beautiful knockout. He is, Cody Garbrandt is the former welter, sorry, former bantamweight champion of the UFC that had a massive decline in performance over the past couple of years. Um, however, it doesn't mean he is any slouch whatsoever. He's currently 14 and 5. I think now 15. Yeah, now 14 and 5. And actually winning the majority of his fights that are coming back up. He did lose to Kai Carr of France, which is huge, and Rob Font. And now this is kind of like his climb back up. He was calling out during that fight uh, after the win. Uh, his name is Davison Figueredo, the former champion of the flyweight division, which, honestly, I could see going. I think they give Cody a new chance at the UFC rankings. Uh, Cody's not that old either. I think he's somewhere in his 30s. Um, Something along those lines. Unfortunately, it's not going to give me the exact number because I don't know. But honestly, looking at the Bantamweight division, I could see him either they give him Davison Figueroa, which is a tough jump because that goes to number eight, or some during the broadcast they did bring up Dominic Cruz, another good option. Lastly, if they want to go weaker, I would see either... They're still trying to bring up Ricky Seinman, so that may be an option, or Chris Gutierrez at rank 15th, and then they can, he can start to climb. Overall, very happy with Cody. Hopefully this is the turnaround that he needs to keep moving forward and hopefully get back into the rankings of the bantamweight division. Moving on from there, we're going to go right into the... The main prelim fight, the featured prelim bout. That's how they call it. Featured prelim bout. And that was Alonzo Menafield versus Dustin Jacoby. This was three rounds of back and forth. At first, Dustin looked very in uh, very prominent, very strong, cleaner striking. Overall, just looked superior at the one point. 
However, Alonzo had a beautiful strike in the first round and second, uh, first round caused a little bit of stunning and then we realized this fight was gonna go back and forth. And it did. A lot of back and forth between each other. Um, we did see a bunch of stuns. Um, there was one knockdown from Alonzo, a takedown from him, along with um, just overall beautiful, like heavy hand striking, where Dustin was the opposite, where you did see a lot more clean strikes. This did go all three rounds. Personally, thought it would be a split decision because I thought round one went to Dustin because he had more significant strikes overall. Uh, round two definitely was more of a toss-up, but because of damage, I went Alonzo. And number three, with the knockdown and the takedown, secured the um, decision for me by via like a split decision for Alonzo. However, the judges did uh, record this. Um, I think it was 29-28 for all three rounds for a unanimous decision. Personally, don't think it was that, but judges probably saw more stuff than I did. But the way the stats look, I would have said split decision. But that's that. Um, I'm going to skip the first fight on the main card, and I'm going to bring it back up later. Only because that was incredible. Also, I forgot to mention under prelims, both performance. Uh, there was a performance in the night. Casey O'Neill versus Ar Arain Lipitsky. I saw her gets uh, submitted. Uh, I saw Arain submit Casey O'Neill. It was beautiful. And then Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa fight in the night. Absolute war. Proud of them both. They all deserve that 50k. Um, on the main card, like I said, I'm going to come back to the Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell um, fight. Performance on a night did go to Josh Emmett. I'll bring that back up. We're going to start with the lightweight fight, the Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett. Um, are we surprised that Tony lost again? No. Not at all. Did I have faith in Tony? I would love to say yes, but I didn't. I know in the past episode, I know there's so, many, so much that I could say and root for Tony, but in the reality of it all, he... He, he, he's not it. He's now on a seven-fight losing streak. He got whooped left and right. 151 total strikes over 90 for Ferguson. Uh, he got taken down. He got knocked down. He, he, he just got beat up. And every... And he, when he was on his back, he was throwing elbows. He was beating up Patty. Patty did get gassed by the second round, and we did see that. But even still, when he was that gassed, he couldn't take advantage and win the fight. Even Dana White is calling for the retirement of Tony Ferguson. Honest to God, why don't you just stop offering him fights? Just let him let him go that way. Like just end the contract. He could he has to retire from the UFC. Now, after the UFC, God knows what he's gonna do next. My money is he will still want to keep fighting. And he will turn to bare-knuckle boxing, which I think will be a terrible idea for him. But, and then hopefully they don't feed him to Mike Perry, because Mike Perry will quite literally kill him. Um, overall, this fight was exactly what I expected. A younger dude beating up an old man. Not surprised by the odds um, at plus 250 for Tony, just not working out. Uh, again, Tony, you need to retire. I love you, 
You're one of the people I watched in the beginning. Just wasn't it. Patty, you won in good fashion. Like, no, I don't think anyone's going to give more of a crap. Like, all right, you beat up Tony Ferguson. Now what? Honest to God, you know what? I say give him Drew Dauber. I've been saying this for a while. Give Patty Drew Dauber, ranked 15th in the lightweight division, and just go, like, see if he can handle it. Probably can't, because Drew Dauber is a very good striker. Also has a better chin. Um, and if Patty leaves his chin up like he has, and he did during this fight, then he's going to get knocked out. But that's that. Moving on to the next one, Shavkat Rachmanov uh, versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson walked out with Jack Black. That was lit as shit, seeing the burly man himself. Um, and it was actually Tenacious D, too. Uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name really quickly. Um... I feel terrible not remembering his name. Kyle Gass, thank you. Uh, it's Kyle Gass. We're both walked out at the same time, so Tenacious D really walked him out. Unfortunately, even with all the extra star power in the second round, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was finished for the first time ever by Shavkat. Um, and that's really how it all goes. I'm not surprised with Shavkat winning. I don't think anybody really was. Um... He's just an overall better, not better fighter, but like overall skills-wide fighter. The funny, crazy thing, too, is that man fought on a torn uh, ligament uh, in his foot. He was considering pulling out, didn't kick one bit because of it, still used his boxing, got in close, did the takedown, got the submission, called it a day in the second round. No money for him, though, which is perfectly fair. It wasn't the greatest submission ever, but... I say this, if Shavkat needs to fight one more time, have him fight Usman. If not, give him the title. It is a very exceptional bout. I think that title fight against Leon would go well. Moving on to the flyweight title bout, Alexander, uh, Alexander pa uh, Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. Very good fight, actually. This was 25 minutes of who can last because Pantoja came in with all the confidence in the world and in the first two rounds kind of showed like he is the dominant champ he was aggressive he was um, taking it to Roy Val he was doing a lot but after that he really gassed himself so it came up to Roy Val to really do as much as he can um, by then, too, uh, Pantoja realized like how gassed he was and started doing takedowns to, you know, keep him on the ground, get the top control, throw a couple punches here or there. And won he won basically by outlasting Roy Val. Couldn't get up. He couldn't do anything. So props to Pantoja for winning. Um, I think if I'm correct, he there's no fights obviously come up and coming for him but he could be fighting I think actually Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi are fighting next which is the ranked one and two um I think they are and if that's the case then we're gonna see probably them fight and then whoever fights wins there we may see a Brandon Moreno four uh, with Pantoja because they are currently three fights in. One was on the uh, Contender Series, so technically it doesn't count, but it does in this case. 
But um, you have that. Kai Kara France technically could fight, even though he lost to Albazi. I don't think he deserves it. I think they're waiting for Manel Cape to, you know, fight him again. And you have Mateus. Uh, no, Mateus is fighting Cape actually in January. So if, honestly, if uh, Mateus wins, sure, give him the chance to get, uh, against Pantoja for the time being. I don't know. I don't know really what to do with that situation. Last, um, second to last, because I still want to save that last one for the end. The welterweight title bout: Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. It went exactly as I thought it would when it came to how Leon would go. Took his time, struck carefully, hit him where it hurt, but most importantly, stayed cool, calm, and collected. Because during the press conference, too, Colby decided to take jabs at his dead father and, you know, like really try to get under Leon's skin. Leon was able to keep his cool in the fight. I don't know, outside of it, he was get probably emotional as all hell. Kept his cool. And basically shut down Colby in every way. So here's the thing about Colby, too. Colby normally is a pressure fighter, meaning for five rounds he is going to fight the ever, like, fight you, the pressure, all of that. Um, that didn't show up whatsoever in this case for this fight. So he was slow. He didn't really do anything until the third round. He looked like crap. He couldn't hit. Ring rust is a real thing. He did not fight for two years before this fight. Literally, he did last time he fought. Okay, one year because two-ish year and a half because the last time he fought was March of 2022. A little less than two years, but severe ring rust is a thing, and that's what he had. I think he also had the pressure on him because you know a lot of people wanted him to win. Trump was there, which is um. Which they're very buddy buddy, but he got the shit kicked out of him. Leon also took unnecessary risks, taking down Colby, nearly submitting Colby, basically saying to him, if this was a prison, Leon would own Colby. <laughs> but yeah, Leon props to him, very happy he won. He showed that he is a champ for a reason. He has now beaten Usman twice. And Colby Covington, so his reign is continuing. When it comes to the uh, who he fights next, he's trying to dodge Bilal Muhammad. Honest to God, he still deserves the chance. I know they were they did fight once, but they uh, what's it called? That was because of an eye poke. It stopped early. His last fight was Gilbert Burns in May, and has been on a like sh crazy win. The only one that couldn't didn't count was the uh, eye poke. So, but right now he's technically on a five win streak. Minus after that, there's more wins. But still, Bilal has a very good reason to fight. The second one I would say too is Shavkat. Shavkat absolutely deserves the title as well. He is currently on a tear and should be on a tear from every win that he's won. I think he's eighteen and zero now. Yep, eighteen and zero. So. Shavkat or Bilal, your choice. If you don't, if you give it to Bilal, make Shavkat fight Kamaru, and then after that, make it work. I know Gilbert Burns is out of contention for the moment because he's fighting Jack Della Maddalena, 
So we'll see what happens there. The last fight I wanted to bring up, which was performance of the night, was a, the first fight on this card. Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell. First and foremost, I want to give absolute credit to Bryce Mitchell for taking this fight two weeks notice. He is a farmer by trained fighter on the side. The man was literally working on his own barn to before this fight, and then in two weeks decided to take the fight against Josh Emmett. Now, Josh Emmett, this fighter specifically holds something uh, close to my heart because he is one of the first fighters I did get to see live way back in, whew, even longer than that, in 2019 against Michael Johnson. And I have been a follower of Josh Emmett ever since. And he is still one of my favorite fighters to this day. Even when he lost against Ilya, I still follow him to the ends of the earth. He's currently, with this now, 19-4-0. And I hate to say it, I thought, not even hate to say it, I thought Josh killed a man in the ring on Saturday. He threw two punches, technically, the entire fight. One was just like a regular old fight. The second one was an overhand right that Bryce's face caught right under the orbital socket of his left eye, and he ragdolled. No follow-up punches, thank God. Herb Dean stopped it there. What was scary, though, was when he dropped, he had a seat, Bryce Mitchell had a seizure, and he was out. Luckily, went to the hospital, he's okay. He was literally back working on the farm the next day. Absolutely, though, terrifying how much force this man, and this is a featherweight, too. This isn't, uh, what's it called? You know, heavyweights talking about this power. I'm not, like, this man has power on par of the heavyweights for his weight class, because anything, if you can take his shot, God help you, because if you can't, you see what happens with Bryce Mitchell. He went down hard. So, very proud of Josh to get that fight and win. Props to Bryce for even showing up, because that had to hurt like a motherfucker. Uh, Josh Emmett is currently ranked sixth in the division. Bryce will probably stay in his top ten for now. I don't think anything else is happening. I think with that, Josh Emmett will probably try to fight somebody up again. It won't be Ilya because he's fighting for the belt. I could see Josh either fighting Arnold, maybe Ayer, which I know they already fought, maybe even Holloway, because that would be wild. Imagine Holloway gets fucking shot by one of those and see what happens. Oof, I don't know. Anyway. Last but not least, there's two other bits of information before I close up for the day. Number one, there was an altercation at UFC 296, um, and that was between Sean Strickland and his uh, upcoming challenger, Driscus Duplice. Uh, they were both sat in the same section, in the same row, like in, near each other in the same, what do we... Okay, so if they were, let's say Sean was row one, Driscus was row four, same seating area though. So like, if Sean was seat 15, 
Driscoll's only like 14 or 15. During the press conferences, the lead up to that fight, too, there was a lot of bad blood spilled from both of them. Sean was talking his normal crap, all that. Drykus straight up said, it is not Driscus, it is Drykus. Drykus straight up said, I'm going to beat you worse than your dad beat you. And that set off Sean like no other. So during the, um, the event, they had them both on camera. And you could see as Sean turns around, you know something's going to happen. Sean asks Gilbert Burns' family to move out of the way. And you can see all the other fighters realize what's going to happen. Once they moved, Sean then jumped to attack uh, Drakus, and they started fighting in the crowd. Drakus took him to the ground. Security pulled them both off, and they were both ejected. Um, Dana White does take 100% responsibility for this because he said, I'm the jackass that decided to book uh, seat them next to each other. Now, was this for money? Was this for something else? I don't know. Now, it could it just be something that, that he learned from the WWE to make it entertaining. Hopefully, we will see these two not kill each other before January 20th when they fight in Ontario, Canada. I'm oh, sorry, Toronto, Canada. Um, before then, the next... We won't be having UFC, actually, for a while. UFC does not start back up until January 13th. So we are going to have four weeks without UFC. So in that meantime, if anything else is coming up, like BKFC, one, PFL, and Bellator, because they're together now, I'll keep it in mind. Otherwise, though, UFC may be down and out, or mixed martial arts may be off for a little bit, but we'll... I'll just keep you updated on anything else going on that's worth the time. Last but not least, I did want to mention, as I did before, um, I did go to CFFC uh, this weekend in Atlantic City at the Hard Rock. I gotta say, it was very, very nice. Um, like, the setup at the Hard Rock, it felt like I was in a mini, you know, UFC uh, stadium. It was pretty cool. Um, overall, though, the fights, I only got there to see the first prelim and then um, the, what's it called? Then the main card. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But I will say the last three fights actually made it worth it because the first couple were tough. Uh, same things. Uh, shame to uh, Eric Nolan, who is from the area of Edison, New Jersey, and I think Thomas Picano. He, he's from Long Island, so a lot of those families, friends, fans all came in. Both lost. Um, Robert Vicario won via knockout, and he's from New York as well, so he got a big standing. It was a good knockout. Uh, the big one, though, I'll say, Luke Fernandez versus Peter New. Luke hit him with a flash kick, got him with a good hook to a flash KO, didn't take the finish, and then um, had a fit, like, realized he was still up and had to finish him right then and there. Um, otherwise, Robert Watley versus Armando Gaetje happened, and uh, Robert Watley won via submission. 
overall, great time at CFFC. Um, we actually probably won't. I won't be going back to one anytime soon just because of other things. But I did want to say, um, Atlantic in Atlantic City in March, UFC is going for a fight night. Hopefully, that card's good and worth the time to get me to go there. Otherwise, that's all I have for this mini episode, which turned out to be about 40 minutes. How about that? Um, please, 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 any questions, comments, anything, please uh, reach out to us via Twitter at AMB Sports Media or at our email address at Bill and uh, I think it's AMB Sports Media at gmail.com. Otherwise, my name is just Bill. Uh, AJ, thank you for not being here. Uh, feel better, everything along those lines, and I'll talk to you all soon. If gambling has become a problem for you or for someone you know, please call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 53342 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.